proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. And the second reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 to 21. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Thank you, Tina. Thank you so much. Beautiful words. Hey. Um, we, for those who may not know, have started uh, printing out the scripture that we're exploring on any particular day on little A5 sheets of paper that are on our welcome desk there, just behind Vicky. If anybody wants one, it um, might be a bit tricky if you're sitting in the middle of a pew, but feel free to go and get one now or, or when you arrive in general on the way in. Otherwise, we've always got one of these, uh, a Bible, so you can follow along there as well. Uh, today, we have arrived at the last part of our little four-part series, um, where we've been exploring how, just as ordinary human beings like us, that God has specifically made us to represent God and God's character in ways throughout all of the world that God has made. And I just think that is amazing. And so for us during this little series, it has included our own calling as individuals. You know, as we increasingly give over the lordship of our lives to Jesus, we as individuals are increasingly made to reflect God's character in ways ourselves. We've explored how um, the idea that that this also draws us into the church, into a family, um, or what we call the body of Christ, so that we can um, you know, reflect God's ways to each other. And because God is um, in the process of restoring and redeeming communities as well. Next, we explored how this priesthood, this, this royal priesthood, is, is to represent the needs we are to represent the needs of each other and of the world to God through this wonderful thing that we call prayer. And then lastly, of course, today we have arrived at this last piece of the puzzle, of this priesthood uh, kind of puzzle where we're looking at um, how we as God's royal priesthood in the world have been called to represent God to the world. Yet how on earth are we supposed to do that? How, how are we as ordinary human beings supposed to represent God to the world? 
And if we are to represent God to the world, then what, what part of God or what, what exactly is it about God that we're called to represent? Well, in the words of the Bible that we just heard before, from First John chapter 1, we heard that that which this author had heard and had seen and had touched with their very own hands, that this is what they proclaimed about the word of life. So as we think about Jesus himself, who is that word of life, who we worship here today, then we should know that in his life, that he, he didn't just point to some sort of abstract ideas or rules or concepts um, you know, about God or that should guide us in how to live. But instead, he literally reached out with the hands and as the hands and feet of God himself in, in ways that, that met and responded to real people's own heartfelt um, wants and needs. He connected with people's real fears and needs. So as we think about the church, and that's us, as a community that's been designed by God to represent God to the world, then nor are we either, are we? Just a bunch of abstract ideas um, or doctrines or rules, are we? But we are a living and breathing community of, of people who have been welcomed through Jesus into relationship with a God who wants every single one of us to join him in extending his welcome to others too. And extending his welcome to others too in ways that can be seen and heard and even touched by others too. So as we, if we just move on in this, in this passage to verse 2, we read that this life appeared and that this life and that this is the life which we proclaim, who was once fully with the Father, who is the maker of us all. Just as you prayed before I heard Doreen, um, beautiful prayer um, about being with the Father. And this is the relationship, this is the beautiful relationship with the Father that we are drawn into as well. So one of the first things I think we need to see is that in Jesus, we're given the most perfect image, representation of God himself. And yet he came into the world in a way that makes God fully available for us to experience for ourselves, for us to hear and see and to touch. And as we read on, do you notice that the one reason that these people now proclaim what they've seen and heard and touched is so that now others will come and join in this beautiful relationship and this beautiful fellowship with God as well. They've seen, they've heard, they've touched, and now they desperately want others to come and join in this as well. Now, can I ask you, do you know how it feels when there's an empty space at your table 
or in your house. You know, that, that empty space that would usually be filled by someone who you love, by someone who brings you joy. Do you know how that feels? Maybe they're currently away on camp. Maybe they're uh, overseas going off to uni um, or, or on a trip for work. For whatever reason at all, maybe they're just no longer with us, um, no longer here. And so when you look at that space, if you can imagine it, don't you just long for the joy that you'll feel when they come back? Or don't you just long that they would come back? Can you see how this might connect? Because I honestly think that this is just like the feeling that's being described in these words here, as these followers of Jesus just long for the joy, for their joy to be made complete by, by the joining of others too in, into their shared fellowship with God as well. They just long for those who are not with them to be joined into this fellowship as well. And, and with that in mind, I wonder, is that how we feel as a church when we think of the many, many others who have not yet been welcomed into this community of faith here as well. We look at the empty seats, empty pews in here as well. Do, do we long for our joy to be com- made complete in this way as well? So I want to ask you then, if all of this matters and is true, then how do you think it should shape how we live and represent God? to each other, and to the many, many others who have not yet embraced God's welcome for themselves. Well, I don't know about you, but I love how Jesus often used to talk about and to express God's welcome as being just like an unexpected welcome that a person might receive to come and join a great banquet or a party or a feast that's being put on by a king. Do you remember those stories that Jesus told? And he lived this out in his life in a way as well. So one of the themes that we're talking about is joy, right? So as I thought about this joy, for some reason I immediately remembered in my mind what it was like a long time ago, I've shared about this before, I'm sure, but a long time ago I used to work at this place here, um, which, believe it or not, is the home in New Zealand of the current reigning king, the currently reigning king. This is government house. And so when when he or or she, the queen, comes and visits, this is where they stay. So I used to work there as a part-time steward, not... Doesn't, it's not all that great, just a humble steward um, when I was at uni. And, and I used to work there in those days, and I used to help to host lots and lots of special banquets and dinners and uh, um, receptions, balls even, all these sorts of things. Now, after a while, this became pretty normal, but from time to time, it was really cool when, when you could see the absolute joy on someone's face as they walked into the door, walked through the doors as a guest, and they'd never been invited. They'd never had an invitation like this before. And you just see their eyes light up and the joy on their face that they've been invited to this banquet or to this feast themselves. 
Now the truth is that if you if you've been invited for the first time to a place like this, then it's easy to get obsessed with all of the things like what to wear as you prepare. Um, you know, by the carefully prepared food and drinks and, and the beautiful paintings and, and things that are on the walls. It's easy to, to get obsessed with those things. But when it comes to the joy that's being expressed, you know, in these words here, it's not about any of these things at all, is it? But it's all about, it's all about the, the presence and the gracious welcome of the host. A lot of those guests who had come along to Government House, they never got to, to really see or to spend any time with the, the Governor-General or, or, the, or the King, if he would be there. But, but in this passage here, all of the focus is on the presence and the welcome of the host. And unlike an invitation to a place like this, you know, where, where these people have often had to earn it in some way by something that they have done, when it comes to our invitation to be in fellowship with God, with the true King of Kings, you know, it's just, it's an open invitation to all. And it comes at 100% despite the fact that none of us, no one apart from Jesus is worthy of that invitation or of that place. But Jesus shows and he showed to so many of the people who he welcomed too that, that God joyfully welcomes and invites us all. Now you'll remember that we also read before from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where we read that all of this is, of course, from God. From God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. But what this immediately goes on to say, what, what this author immediately goes on to say is this ministry of reconciliation, as it's called, is now also our responsibility to pass on as well. So we read in verse 18 that we are therefore Christ's own ambassadors, as though God were now making his appeal to fill up these empty seats now through us. As if God were making his appeal through us. Now many of us will know, right, that there's no greater joy for us who are already followers of Jesus. Then when someone first chooses to receive and to embrace this welcome from God for themselves, there's no greater joy that we feel. And this is backed up by Jesus, who said that there's even more joy in heaven when one sinner, even one sinner, who chooses to repent than over 99 people who don't need to repent at all, who don't need to come back to God at all. So what is an ambassador? I asked my youngest son the other day. What is an ambassador? Do you think he knew the answer? No. So an ambassador is someone who represents, right? As we can see in these definitions here. And in the same way, what we need to know is that each follower of Jesus has been specially set apart and called 
All of us have been called to represent the heart and the ways of God who's now making his appeal through us to the people who all live and work and play in the communities within which we all live and work and play as well. God is making his appeal through us. So the question that I asked at the start, what could it look like for us to be a church who will truly represent God in the world? To think about that some more, I wonder if you can think of a with me, of a time or of a moment in your life when you were made to feel so welcome by a person or a community who had no obvious need to welcome you at all. Can you think of a time like that? And if you can, then can you think of what that was like for you? For me, I remember that it was the most beautiful and humbling place to be in. When on my first trip overseas on my own, into the other side of the world, the complete other side of the world, I was welcomed and embraced in the most generous kind of way by absolute strangers who even let me stay in their home for a month, or it may have been more. They let me stay in their home when they went away. They let me use their van so I could go surfing. Um, while they're away as well. But do you know what? What mattered to me the most was not any of those practical things that they did, but what mattered to me the most was just the fact that they took the time and they had the presence to see value in me and to make room for me in their otherwise busy lives. Just some random guy from overseas who had literally nothing that I could offer them in return. Now because of the way that I was treated, these people really did show me something wonderful about what our God is like. They showed me something wonderful about God's love. Because they helped me to see just how powerful it can be when we reflect the incredible hospitality and welcome of our God to someone else. Just the power that we have to express God's welcome and God's love to someone else. And they helped me to feel that even on the other side of the world, when I was far away from all the people who really know who I am, that even there that I could feel welcome and loved and of value when I had literally nothing to offer them in return. Only take Now, if you've ever been welcomed like that before, then I'd love to hear about it. Because I really think that for many people today, that their life and their experience is not like that at all. But instead, I reckon it's much, much more common today in our society to think and feel that we have to put up walls and to pretend and, and and to try to show that we're something different or something more than what we really and truly are. So the unfortunate truth is that the world can actually feel like a very inhospitable kind of place. Very inhospitable kind of place 
for us to be. Because instead of a welcome and just come, come as you are, come and be as you are, it's more often that people feel fear. That there's no place and no community within which they can just relax and stop acting for a moment and feel free to be themselves or to risk letting out the truth that I have some struggles. What if I make a mistake? What if I get up here on on stage and I make a mistake? So let's be honest that in this kind of world, well, we might not think of another person as like an enemy who has a sword or a gun behind their back and they're about to attack. So many of us still hold a similar kind of suspicion. I think that even in a place like this, that if I say or do the wrong thing, well, then I'm just going to want to run and hide away. It just is not okay. We had a friend when we lived in Auckland. Well, he became a friend. And this guy was involved in a, had become involved in a very notorious gang. He was the son of a wonderful couple in the church. But he was embarrassed to come along to church because um, he'd got himself into all sorts of trouble and all sorts of grief. grief. But we, we were able to spend time with him because we had lunch at their house and he was there. He wasn't actually allowed to leave because he was he had a bracelet around his ankle and he was waiting for a trial, um, which ultimately put him um, behind bars for, I think it was three years or something like that. Um, but just before he went to prison, which was a very hard thing, he wanted to get baptised. And he'd started coming along to church because he had felt welcome. He'd felt welcome and that he would be accepted as he was. And he led, apparently, his, his prison mate, his roommate, in the end, to Christ as well. How many of us know the story of Zacchaeus? <laughs> yeah. He was that guy who was waiting and carefully watching Jesus from up in the tree, wasn't he? Um, and what do you think? Did he feel safe to come down and to make himself known? No, he did not. But he was a pretty successful man, wasn't he? When it came, when it comes to 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 the sort of the things of the world that people value today, this man—he was one of the chief tax collectors for Rome. This man—he could buy pretty much anything I think he wants. He, he wanted, except for the one thing in life that we most need. Hey. He could have anything he wants but this. So what does Jesus say? I love this. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately from that tree, for I must come and stay at your house today. And so he came down at once. I can imagine his heart beats. And all the people who watched They began to mutter to themselves, ha, but look at Jesus. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, but Lord, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. 
And and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount that I owe. Then Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham, a son of the promise. For the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. So I wonder, as we as I close, what these various stories and ideas that we've explored today might suggest to you about how we too might be able to reflect, to represent the wonderful hospitality of our God in a world where I believe, just like Zacchaeus, so many people fear that they will not be welcomed and accepted as they are. And I reckon this is more and more true for the young people of today as well. Well, What are the things that are standing in the way of us representing God in that way? Is it our own fear, ourselves, that that we might somehow be be changed or, or tarnished you know, are we worried about what others might think of us? Is it our own fear that is preventing us from offering the welcome in this way? Are we worried about the fact that there are other ideas or, or their culture or beliefs that may be different to our own that might rub off on us in some way? If that's the case, maybe the problem is more that we need to go back to the start and to deepen our relationship with God ourselves. Because the real truth of the gospel that we need to hear and keep in mind is that even when we ourselves or others are not what we wish that we could be, the truth is that God himself sees each and every person as just such an awesome and precious treasure. That he would be willing to, that he was willing to come and even to die upon a cross so that we would never have to be apart. So that those seats in God's house would not be empty after all. And if we can remember that, that he would be willing to do even that for even the worst sinners of the world, then. When we think about anyone else, and I I reckon that that should help us to first receive God's hospitality and then to reflect the incredible welcome and hospitality of our God as well. Can we pray? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you you came into the world and you showed us what God is like. You showed us, Lord, the incredible hospitality of our God, the Father in whose presence you get to dwell day after day after day. And Lord, we look forward to being more fully in your presence too. But for now, Lord, we thank you that you are here and we thank you that you are guiding us as a community to be a people who will reflect your ways if we would only have the courage to say yes. Help us, Lord, as parents to be, to be 
good hosts and welcomers for our kids. To make time and space for them to be themselves and for each other, Lord, to be ourselves as well. Give us an attitude of welcome, Lord, and of grace. And Lord, thank you that as we care for each other, Lord, that it is missional. That it's partners in your work because others want to want to be a part of a community where it is safe to truly be as well. Bless us, Lord, with your spirit today. And we confess where our attitudes and ideas have got in the way. Help us, Lord, today. Fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.